and welcome to the Self-Explained Podcast. I am your host, Katie O'Donoghue, and I am a former model turned self-care and mindset coach. On this podcast, I will dive deep into all things self-care, mindset, habits, career, health, relationships, and much more. I will have a few guests along this journey, and with them, I will share some raw, relevant, and relatable realities. This is a podcast for people who want to transform their mindset and take the opportunity to become a better version of their self. For today's episode, I've invited one of my best friends and running buddy on the show, Kim, to talk about all things related to her move from South Africa to Sydney, running, and how she focused on herself through COVID. Now, before I continue and let Kim introduce herself to you all, I should probably say how we became friends. There are hundreds of groups online where you can network yourself and meet new people. So we both were members of a group called Sydney Girls Meetup. And I wrote in one day back in February, and it was kind of like the dating ads that you used to see in the newspapers before, but in an online group. So I gave my introduction, I said who I was, my age, my hobbies, one of which was running, and that's when Kim became my friend. And we've been friends ever since, despite the times I sneakily tried to increase her pace while running. So, Kim, if you want to introduce yourself and just give our listeners today a bit of insight into your life and why you chose to move to Sydney. Thanks, Katie. Uh, Hi, guys. I'm Kim. I'm 29. I'm originally from Johannesburg, South Africa. I am an occupational therapist by career, and I moved to Sydney about a year ago um why i moved to sydney sure um a lot of different reasons i think one is just the freedom and the freedom to run and the freedom of choice and freedom to roam the streets um (laughs) so yeah and um obviously bumped into katie who has now got me running all the time (laughs) back running (laughs) you love it come on so kim If you were to describe South Africa in comparison to Sydney, how is the life back home different to life here? Um, I think in terms of if we want to, you know, discuss running and so on, I think safety is number one. I think if anyone knows much about Johannesburg, especially in South Africa, um, it's not the safest place. so I found myself a lot of the times not being able to run by myself. Um, when I did run with a friend, we would always run when it was light in safer areas. Um, we used to take off all our watches, all our we didn't take our phones with us, jewelry, earrings, everything. Um, and yeah, so it was 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 you know compromise and you couldn't just run whenever you felt like it I think and that was one of the factors when I thought coming to Sydney I just couldn't wait to just run at any time run and listen to my music um I think it was the biggest change is seeing people with their earphones in and their phones and their texting and their this and that with so much freedom and choice to do that so well so life was really different back home um have you had any experiences in south africa that kind of made an imprint on your mind and your mindset moving forward that made you even register the whole aspect of safety in sydney compared to safety back home definitely um i think growing up in south africa it is um just one of those things that you're 
you always take safety for granted and you always think oh that's the norm and so on um about two years ago i was driving to work um in the morning sunshine and um yeah, I was at a robot, which I think everyone else calls the traffic light here. Uh, we, call, <laughs> we call them robots. Um, <laughs> robot <laughs> I did hear that's because um, it was when the British colonized us. It was people like doing traffic signs. Mm-hmm. It was a man. So then they changed it to electronic. And then it was like, a, they were like, oh, it's replaced the a person so everyone in South Africa calls it robots I'm gonna it? call it robots from now on I'll be like I'll meet you at the robot by the red X always um <laughs> so any South Africans listen to this they'll be like oh taste of home um yeah I was at a robot in broad daylight and um I just heard this knock and I was like oh that's not a you know knock that's a metal knock and I looked and there was a gun to my head um And I think it's different growing up in South Africa because, you know, I got to work that day and although people are, um, you know, comforting you, they're saying, oh, at least it was only that, you know, at least it was just a gun to your head. It wasn't, you know, you didn't get raped, you know, nothing worse happened to you. You just had a gun to your head and your phone was taken. That's not bad. And you kind of like shake it off and it's, it's not something, you know, I think when I tell that story to people here, people are like, oh my word, it's mm. psychology. Did you do this? Did you do that? I'm like, no, I just kind of, I t- yeah, I took a few days off, not a few days off, a few hours off of work. And next day it was like nothing had happened and it was almost forgotten about. Um, wow. Would you say it was like normalized over there to have this scenario? Oh, to it's so normal. It's so normal. I mean, even when I got to work, um, and I was telling everyone and I was crying and so on. The one girl's like, oh, you know, well, this is what happened to me. They grabbed my keys and, the, you know, and everyone's the worst story. And it's very normalized there. And I, I feel because you've grown up in it and because you're born into it, it's, it's you're always looking for the positive. Oh, well, at least that didn't happen or at least that didn't happen. Um, and I think in a way it's kind of bad because coming here I always say to my friends you know when I send the messages back home it's I realize your safety is priceless you know people go oh but my friends oh Sydney's so expensive I'm like but I can sleep at night you know I yeah. can I can walk the streets just walking to you tonight um you know I sometimes send my friends a voice note I'm like it's the middle of the night talking to you and I'm sending you a voice note or a message and I can do that freely and I'm not scared i'm not yeah. you know um i mean yeah because when we started running you said that like when i was suggesting because we were going at like 6 a.m and it was it wasn't bright and you were like oh you know i couldn't do this back home so obviously now i understand fully why exactly you had to be so hyper alert to say mm. of your surroundings and and i think um if you recall right in the beginning um I was kind of making excuses all the time and you know I, <laughs> I remember <laughs> get out of bed get out of bed and you know everyone kept saying to me and even my running friend back in South Africa she kept saying to me are you in Sydney now are you safe are you running are you running and it's because you you're born into 
a world or what you think is you know a bubble where you know it's not safe to run by yourself it's not safe to go out when the sun's still rising it's not safe to have a phone your keys whatever and even although i knew i was in a safe country and i knew that i could my guard was still up so before meeting you i my brother would go just go for a run you, you can do it just walk to the shop and i remember we would go for dinner and he would still joke with me and be like careful there's someone behind the bush and I'm like don't say that you know I'd walk around with my bag and like look around my shoulder and I'm still to this day I'm still looking if anyone's at my window um but it's crazy and I think I needed that push and now I, I can be like oh I can actually go for a run it's okay yeah you got so. me <laughs> not that I'm gonna do much I'd be like run faster <laughs> but it, it really got me into the point of I can do it I remember those yeah. first mornings it was so dark and I kept saying, can we run a bit later? Can we run a bit later? And I, I think I had to like actually internally look at it and be like, it's because I'm scared. And that's why. Like, yes, oh, I'm lazy and I don't want to get out of bed. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. But I think I realized I'm actually scared. You know? um, and would you say that you were stepping outside your comfort zone? So from like a mindset perspective, it was something that was outside your comfort zone to do. A hundred percent. I think um, I always go back to this Baz Luhrmann song I don't know if anyone's heard of it um, and it always says do one thing every day that scares you and I just kept thinking to myself you moved to Sydney for a different life a life where it was open and free and and if you don't make any changes you might as well be back in South Africa like you gotta take that risk for change you know yeah definitely so. and when we think of running because most people think of the physical benefits so obviously it's a benefit. I mean, if you're someone that wants to lose weight, it's a benefit if you start toning up from running. But we started running just before COVID. And we kept running during COVID because I run anyway from a mental calmness and mental clarity. That's my main reason for taking up running is because it's peace of mind for me. It's the one time where I can just zone out, aside from when we have our chats, because mm. obviously I love our chats and our runs. But for you, what is running to you? Is it your physical benefits is it the mental benefits or all of the above what does running give you in terms of when we go on our runs for example I think when I first started running it was definitely a you know a physical thing oh I want to lose weight I want to look better and so on but I think you know if anyone really knows when you're running and you're exercising it you getting endorphins and I feel that I'm most productive when I run. You know, people say, oh, I don't want to go for a run in the morning because I'm going to be tired for work or I'm not going to get my day started or, you know, I'm, I need extra sleep or so on. I feel most productive when I've gone for a run. I get back, we've gone early in the morning, you know, you get back instead of me sleeping till eight, nine or so on and then I haven't achieved anything, we get back you know, half past seven, eight, depending on our chats afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and I think, wow, I've just run 10 kilometers. There's nothing else that's going to be challenging today. Mm -hmm. Done the hardest thing of my day. I feel great. I feel powered. I don't mind eating that extra piece of whatever because physically it's benefited me, but also mentally. I think, come at me. Like any challenge that mm -hmm. comes that day, I'm, let's do it because I've really done something to what another person would think is hard where it is hard it's the, i think the most challenging thing is getting up and actually you know keeping mo motivated to do it yeah 
in terms of COVID, sorry, you did ask a lot. So. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> hey, we're, we're just giving more people more to listen to. It's fine. <laughs> um, Imagine if you're like, so <laughs> what are we what? talking about today? <laughs> um, I think in COVID, and I don't think I've actually ever expressed that to you either. I think our running was something that kept me mentally stable. Um, I've yeah. moved now, but originally I was, you know, staying by myself and you couldn't visit friends. You know, I was working from home. I was shoved in a tiny little room and exercise was seen as a, you know, a green light from the government. But don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, but do exercise. Yeah. A lot of the times you've got to think why. And having a health background, you've got to realize that any form of exercise is going to help you physically, mentally, etc. And I think I was so caught up in being at home and, you know, you, you go for your grocery shop on the Monday, you normally shop for the week. I wouldn't see anyone for four or five days except for when we were running and you run mm-hmm. like with nature again you you interacting with your environment and you're remembering oh wait i am human there is other people outside of this little bubble that we've now been forced to in covid so yeah i think it it really helped me through covid actually (laughs) i mean it definitely helped me too i mean even though i have a housemate but just like a female interaction because obviously the two of us said well i had only just arrived over here before covid hit so I hadn't exactly found my girl group, so to say. So when I found my running buddy, you were my running buddy. So I was like, okay, this is like gold to me right now because it's someone that A, has a lot of interests that are similar to mine, but B, it's someone that we can actually help each other's well-being through a really tough time. We're both away from home. We're both in Sydney. And that connection that I had with you actually benefited me more than the physical benefits that I reaped from the running. Hundred percent, and um, just to add to that, you know, you asked me earlier, like Sydney versus South Africa, and so on, and I find it so hilarious because you know, obviously, COVID's pandemic is around the world, and I remember Scott Morrison. The first thing he said was, "The only thing he's going to allow for people to do in twos is running. It's for women's safety," and I've never laughed so hard in my life because. I mean, it was the first experience. It, it yeah. was the first time in my life that I've felt safe enough to run alone. Yes, I, you know, I didn't want to, and you know, you got me into it. But when COVID, because we started running before COVID, I thought that's quite funny, Scott Morrison. It's the first time I actually feel like I can run by myself. <laughs> but thanks for allowing me to have a buddy come along. When South Africa, there, you weren't allowed to exercise at first, <laughs> and then secondly, it was. You're not allowed you can do exercise but you're not allowed a friend and i remember saying to my friends that's crazy like yeah even in australia they're allowing you to partner up for mm-hmm. safety and yeah so i thought that was really really crazy and i thought that was a really good stance of you know from australia's point of view and i think that is um another positive to living in sydney i guess or australia yeah and did you come over here on your own kim did you get on that flight in your own room? Did you come with friends? Because I know for a lot of people moving country, like I came on my own. And people who aren't, will say, confident in traveling on their own will find that like quite a jump. But did you come on your own? 
Because I don't think we've had this conversation. I don't think I ever asked you about this. <laughs> um, I did come on my own and um, a lot of people will laugh. So I, um, I'm fortunate enough that my dad is Australian. So I've, I was born into having Australian citizenship. So, you know, it was an easy jump for me. It was... I'm not safe in South Africa. I feel the corruption is increasing. I feel like tax money's not going where it should. Being in health, I'm, I'm paying all this tax and I'm not seeing it go to the people and the people that need it. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of frustration around that. And I thought, okay, I'm moving to Australia. And everyone kept saying, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. When are you doing it? Blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, I was saying for about a year, I was like, oh, I think I'm moving to Australia next year, you know? and I, you know, I became all emotional and I'd get a drunken night out and I'd say, oh, this is the last time we're going to do this. This is the last time I'm going to have a birthday with this one. And they'd be like, Kim, you're never going to get on that flight. And I'm like, I'm going to get on that flight. Like, and I think that's what people don't realize. I think, and it's the same what you were saying. It's, you take that risk and it's like, once you get that gut feel, mm. you just do it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. You know, and they're like, oh, big talk, no action, big talk, no action. I was like, I'm going to do it. So you guys better start those tears because I'm crying now because I know internally I'm going to do it. And I did three weeks before. Um, do you remember the day that you booked your tickets? How you felt? Because I know for some people, they're going to probably get to the point where they're about to book it and then doubt's going to come in and they're going to say, what are you doing? You know, are you sure you can do this? This is a big risk. You're leaving X, Y, and Z behind. I think it was very surreal for me. So... <laughs> Like I said, with my friends, it took me a while. It was such a, like a pinch me moment. And so I internally knew that I was doing it, but no one believed me. So I would cry, you know, when we went on our last holidays, whatever. My friends are like, oh no, this is not our last holiday. I'm like, it's our last holiday. So I think leading up to it, because I did it so soon before going, Yeah. when I booked it, it was more my mom and I trying to decide how long she could go without seeing me. And I think that's the hard thing about COVID was she said to me, um, she said to me, okay, I'm going to come visit you in December. You leave in July. That gives us, we worked it out. It was like four months or five. And then I was going to come visit back in April. I took a return flight because it was cheaper. Yeah. And so she said, okay, I can deal with not seeing you for five months and then I can deal without seeing you for four months. And that was the only decision I had. Basically, I'm not going to get emotional here, but I love my mom and her decision. And I know leaving her, that was the most guilt I felt. Yeah. Her and my dogs and, and obviously my dad. Um, you know, we were talking about COVID. I think that was the hardest for me. It was a little bit of a timeline for mm -hmm. my mom and I, okay. We just need to get through five months. Then we need to get through four months. And yeah. I think that's been the hardest for me. Yeah, obviously. But you were saying in terms of, you know, getting on the flights and so on, I've always been accustomed to flying. I think mm -hmm. just jump ship and go and live in a different world. And I really do believe like what the world needs more is education. Mm -hmm. And what's the best form of education is exploring the world, learning you've been grown up in a certain culture and a certain yeah. you know way education system and so on there's nothing more educating than moving across the world and boof bam this is something new something you know different languages different culture different 
it's the only way you actually learn to live with one another and that's yeah. another reason why i love sydney so much there's so much diversity you know it's not everyone no one calls it robots no one you know you have to kind of be so sensitive to what other people think offensive what people think are not offensive you know yeah. things that i think are offensive is not you know is actually respectful and that's why i love it so much so much diversity um i mean obviously you did your younger years traveling but have you traveled for like six months at a time or anything like that have you gone like I like I went to Southeast Asia for a few months in Indonesia mm. and Australia three years ago but have you ever done that kind of traveling I haven't done that long um I think I've always been very career based and it's list I think I'm 29 now it's kind of on my 30 31 bucket list so tell me you were saying that you have gone six months uh, traveling um how did that affect you or I mean, change your mindset mm, I actually went because I went traveling in the middle of college so I actually failed an exam and I decided I wasn't going to go straight into repeating the exam for my final year I said okay you know I'm not in the right mindset I'm not driven I'm gonna take a year out and go traveling for six months so I went traveling and I went to Thailand I spent seven weeks in Thailand and then I went into Cambodia and I did 10 days in Cambodia and four weeks in Vietnam. I think I did a little over two weeks in the Philippines and two weeks in Bali and I did four weeks in Australia at the very start. But I think um, Cambodia was probably the most interesting country that I traveled to just because it was a proper culture shock. It was a really underdeveloped country in comparison to the rest. Um, Mike, I do mean when I say underdeveloped we were going into Angkor Wat and it was absolutely amazing but and I went with my partner at the time I should probably clarify this <clears throat> but I remember going into Angkor Wat and there were kids that were like three four years old like five even I'd say no older than five and they were coming up with you with postcards and there was 10 postcards and they were saying five dollars and it was in dollars because it's US currency mm. in Cambodia and I remember thinking, oh my God, like these kids are five, if not younger. Their families are probably over in the market stalls there and this is how they make their living. They don't have a proper childhood. $5 to them is probably two meals. So I just remember thinking, wow, like we really have it lucky over here because our life could be really different if we were in an underdeveloped country. The opportunities that we have had growing up, you don't actually realize it until you're in a different country and you're experiencing life on the other side, so to say. I think um, it's crazy that you say that because, I mean, I lived in South Africa, which is a third world country, and you know, I was from a privileged background but um before i moved here my friend and i decided we were going to go proper to um rural area and um we ended up going us two girls by ourselves and we traveled for about three weeks down into places that never been in south africa and very very rural like no electricity like kilometers and kilometers <laughs> of place and um we would go to a shabin which is like a t tavern, yeah. Okay. Um, but very run down. Yeah. And um, there were kids in the queue that were about five or six getting beers 
and alcohol to drink to drink themselves themselves oh my god and i remember at the time because we couldn't really travel alone the we were at backpackers and one of the guys at the backpackers we become friends with and he's like no he'll travel with us um and you know these guys these kids i mean that's how naive i am i lived in that country and naive i was you know traveled all around the world and i didn't even know what was happening in my own country and i said to the guy i was like oh you know they they are um are they buying it for their parents or so on and he said he's like in this part of the world he's like if you got money you've got money it doesn't matter what age you are and they were buying beer alcohol like they were it, literally did it, it, did it like taste? courts courts like beers they were literally drinking and i was i'll never get my friend and i we were shocked literally shocked these kids were standing next to us they weren't even at my hip height and they were drinking beers next to me and i thought how naive am i i'm in the health system i'm government i know i thought i knew the worst of the worst yeah but they said you know it doesn't matter if you got money they'll sell to anyone wow that's crazy i guess they better wrap this up <laughs> i mean we've had a really long conversation if people make oh, it this far very long, very, very long. <laughs> thanks kim for being on the show Thank they certainly you. have a really unique story Thank you for having me. And to everyone that's tuned in and that's made it this far, I hope you have an amazing day or a good night's sleep. Thanks for tuning in and stay tuned for the next couple of episodes. There's going to be a few more guests on the show with some interesting backgrounds, some new mindsets and different ways of looking at the world. Mm -hmm.